0: In this series, is how there are certain things in our lives that have the potential to knock us off track, right? There are certain things in our lives that have the, the potential to take us off the tracks, really, in the areas of life that matter the absolute most. The tracks that we would say would lead us to this place that God would have for us, a place of flourishing, what God calls life to the full. And so, what we're doing in this series is we're identifying some of those things, we're opening up God's Word, and we're saying, Lord, we want to be your students and uh, we want you to teach us. And so last week we, uh, we said this. We said a train derailment, whether it's the one that happened a few weeks ago in Washington or whether it was this one that happened in Seattle, we said that every time, south of Seattle, we said every time that this happens, it's a tragedy. Every time a, trail, a train goes off the tracks, it makes big news and, and it does because it's a, it's a huge deal. People die. And this one, three people died, over 100 were injured. And every time it happens, a driving question comes to mind very quickly. What was the cause? How did this happen? And then very importantly, the most, in question, most important question comes to light, and that's this question here. How can it never happen again? How can it never happen again? And so in this series, what we want to do is we want to look at some of the common themes that really pose a threat that could derail you, things that could derail me. And we want to say, okay, we want to be your students, Lord, would you teach us? If we look at our own culture, you look at your own life, you look at the lives of those that you care about, you can very quickly begin to identify different themes that typically derail people. Uh, We said last week that one of the things that can quickly derail us is worry and anxiety. So that was the first thing that we talked about in part one. And what we talked about was that there's this huge difference, isn't there, between us caring about something and then us actually carrying something that we were never meant to carry and so we went to God's Word and we said Lord would you teach us we looked at the words of Jesus Christ we looked at the words of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter this week what we're gonna do is this we're gonna turn our attention to something that I think is actually a little bit harder to talk about uh, this area can have attached to it I think a lot of shame and we're gonna talk this morning about what to do with that if that's the case for you It can have attached to it also a lot of guilt, or simply put, when we talk about this topic, it can expose sometimes the effects of something that's been covered up for a long, long time, an extended period of time. Today, we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about secret sins, secret sins, and we're gonna talk about how a secret sin has such an overwhelming power to derail us, because isn't it true? What's often done in secret Is most damaging to the human heart what's often done in secret has the greatest potential it can have the costliest toll on the human heart the thing that Jesus Christ cared most about that's your heart not your religious activity but the core of you who you and I are at our hearts now I love this Jesus describes in the New Testament he gives us this picture of what it means to live life in relationship to the God that loves us. He gives us this picture. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me to experience life in all of its fullness? And so this morning what we want to do is this. With that picture in mind of where Jesus Christ longs for you to live. Longs for me to live. We're going to talk very openly about some things that can get in the way of that. We're going to, I think we're going to get into the, to the deep end a little bit here this morning. But we want to do that. Because it would be a tragedy for you to leave here today with something in the way between you and this God who knows you and loves you and lays out in the New Testament ways for you to follow Him and love Him and experience life in all of its fullness. So, we're going to expose some of those things because we don't want any barriers to the things that God would have for you and I. I grew up watching the Chicago Cubs. I don't know if we have any Cubs fans here, I think they're Christian fans, baseball fans. Just kidding. It was, it was a joke. It was a joke. But really, I can, I can still hear the, the voice of Harry Carey. Can you hear that? Can you hear the voice of Harry Carey doing the seventh inning stretch? My favorite player on the team when I was watching as a kid was Ryan Sandberg. I loved watching him play. He was a phenomenal second baseman. But June 3rd, 2003, wasn't a very exciting day for Cubs fans. You might remember this. Sammy Sosa is up to bat. This is what happened. Take a look at this short video. Three two. Ball up the middle. Runner's gonna score. Anderson with first. to line. Gonzalez to third. Gives Sosa his 25th RBI on a broken bat. The Cubs lead by one here in the first inning. Well, this isn't They're good. looking for a few more pieces of the lumber. No, they're looking to see what's in the bat to see if what's in the bat is really the bat or if there's anything in there that shouldn't be in there. And I've seen something in there is if the bat is corked. Now, as far as we know, they have just the handle of the bat. They don't have the barrel of the bat. And Groszolodzic is going back to third. And Gonzalez is going back to second. And I believe there's going to be two outs. So, still be a ground ball out four to three for Sosa? I think the put out usually is given to the closest man to the play. In that case, it would be the catcher to unassisted. That's how they work with interference. And that's what they were looking at. Now, Chip, I'm thinking from here, and of course, we're a long way away. That probably is just rock and wood. Yeah, we hope so. Uh Uh-oh. Sammy Sosa was uh, ejected from the game, suspended for the next seven games because of this. When a professional baseball player puts anything in the bat, When a professional baseball player puts like a cork in the center of the bat, what it does is this. It causes the ball when it hits the bat to be much more alive. Think of a bouncy ball hitting the ground. It pops right off the ground high into the air, doesn't it? And what it can do is this. If you cork a bat, a wood bat, which is what you have to use in professional baseball, if you cork a wood bat, it can take a decent hit and it can knock it out of the park. That's why it's illegal. Now, this incident left a bad taste in the mouth of baseball fans. And it called Sammy Sosa's integrity into question. People felt like this. When this secret was uncovered, people felt like, and they began to question, okay, well, what's the deal? I mean, Sammy Sosa, his career would lead to over 600 home runs. And people wondered how many of those were done with a corked bat. The secret was out. And as bad as this felt for baseball fans, at the end of the day, baseball is just a game. This morning what we're going to talk about are the things that could derail you from the areas of life that matter the most. Things that your heavenly father would look at and he would say, this burdens me for you. I long for you to get this area right. Now, what's so deceptive and what I think is so powerful and damaging about secret sins is this, is that they're so appealing to us. But not only is a secret sin so appealing to us, Another thing that's very challenging about this topic is in order for a secret sin to be dealt with, it has to come to light. And so that takes a level of conviction. That takes a level of even courage, I think, that can only come from God. And so, again, I think we're stepping into some deeper waters this morning. Now, just a side note, and you might be feeling like this morning, okay, I have no secret sins, uh, but I want you to pay attention. This verse grabbed me this week. This is from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says this. It says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So in other words, if you think, ah, but this isn't for me, I could actually check out right now, be careful that you don't fall. In other words, there is no one above secret sins. And so I want to do this before we dive in. I think it's I think we need to do it, it's, it's the, the wisest thing we could do, we, we need to say, God, would you speak to us, and uh, would you direct us, and would you lead our hearts? So would you pray with me, and, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, I thank you, first of all, for your word, Lord. I thank you that you care enough about us to say hard things to us. And so this morning, Lord, as we really, I think, unravel a topic that could be very hard to talk about, Lord, we pray for your grace, we pray for your insight, Lord, we pray, Lord, maybe today it's conviction that you will bring. Maybe today it's a reminder. Maybe today you will keep someone from doing what they're about to do. Maybe today you will bring something to light for someone that will lead them to your hope and your love and your grace, and you will put them, not derailed, but you will put them right back on track. And so, Father, we invite you to do what only you can do, and we pray expectantly because you are so good. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, if you have a Bible or if you're clicking there, you can go to Proverbs chapter 7. Um, I believe that in the scriptures, this is one of the most powerful pictures that we get painted for us. It's actually a picture, if you said, well, Jeff, what do you hope... Uh, It goes through the mind of many of our next generation students. I would say, I I want Proverbs chapter 7 and the picture that comes to life, I want that to be etched into the mind of our next generation students. I think it would impact them in such a good way as it impacts me and all of us. So this is what it says in verse 1 of chapter 7, Proverbs 7. It says, my son, keep my words. And, And again, I should say this before we get into the Proverbs. If you know anything about the book of Proverbs... It's chock full of wisdom, practical wisdom. Uh, You know, people, sometimes they'll read just a proverb a day to their family, that kind of thing. You know why? It's because it's so full of wisdom. You're going to see how practical it is today. My son, keep my commands and store up my commands within you. Keep my words and store up my commands within you. In other words, hold them tight to you. Don't lose them. Put them in a good place. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings. Such strong language here. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Now, if I said to Christina later today, I said, if I said, baby, you are the apple of my eye, what I would be saying to her is this. I cherish you above all things. And she would respond to me if I said that to her by saying, that's really cheesy. Where did you hear that from, you know? <laughs> that's your free romantic line of the day. Okay, guard my teachings. Guard my teachings, cherish them above all. Why? Here we go. Keep actually doing it. He says, bind them on your fingers. He's referring to some Old Testament stuff here. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom. I mean, there's such a student here. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. Verse 5. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. Now, the secret sin that we're going to see in Proverbs chapter 7 is the sin of adultery. The secret sin. And it's so prevalent in in, in our day that we're going to talk about it this morning. But that's not the only secret sin, is it? Not by any stretch. I mean, we could name so many of them. Let me name a few. Lust, gluttony, greed. What we do with our money. Cheating. Tax season is coming. Laziness. Anger. Any addiction. Addiction of any sort. That's a secret sin. Oftentimes. Envy. Pride. We could all add to the list. And we're not going to talk about every secret sin here this morning, but I want you to know this, how we see how to deal with secret sins in Proverbs chapter 7, it parallels every single secret sin that you and I could bring to the table that could pose a threat to derail us. Verse 6, the picture now comes to life. It says this, At the window of of my house, I looked through the lattice. I want you to picture yourself at the top of a two-story home. You're looking out this window. It's got a lattice, and you're peering down the street, and your attention is locked on what you see. At the window of my house, I looked through the lattice, and I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth walking down the street who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark night set in. Now, think about that. It's not completely dark yet. And I just wonder if if we can, and I think we can, I wonder what's going through the mind of this youth as he's walking down the street. I wonder if he's thinking, hey, I'm just gonna go explore a little bit. But I wonder also if in the back of his mind he was thinking to himself, I wonder if she'll be there again. I've seen her before. I wonder if I'll see her again. Just going to go get a little fresh air though. Just going for a walk. It says, "Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent." And isn't that how secret sin is? It's crafty. I mean, you don't ask for it. It just comes. And then it gets further into you than you wish, than you ever wished that it would have. It says that she is unruly and defiant, her feet never stay at home, now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. Doesn't that parallel how God describes Satan in our lives? Think about Genesis 3, it's just just what it's like. It lurks all over the place. Verse 13, she took hold of him and she kissed him and with a brazen face she said this, Today, I have fulfilled my vows. Now, she's referring to, she's done some sort of a religious activity. She's made a sacrifice, and she's got some leftovers from that sacrifice. Today, I have fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, because she had seen him before. I looked for you, and I, and I have found you. I have found you. You ever been found by a secret sin? Verse 16, I have covered my bed with colored, colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Have you ever covered your bed with cinnamon? Got that all over your bed sheets? <laughs> Me neither. That's why we read our Bibles, church. Come on. Here we go. Verse 18, come, she says. Let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Look at this winsome invitation. This is what secret sin is like. But then the truth comes out. She says this, my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. We got time, baby. Verse 20, and he took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home till the full moon. She goes on. With persuasive words, it says that she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk all at once. You got to picture this. The hammer just dropped. All at once, he followed her. Get this picture in your mind, church. Secret sins do this to us. He followed her like an ox to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into the snare. It's like, if you didn't understand this one, let me give you another one. And how about this one if that didn't make any sense? And then it says this, such strong words, little knowing, it will cost him his life. It will cost him his life. Notice the seriousness of what the picture is here. And now that we all have our attention to this, Out comes the wisdom the writer says I want to give you this graphic picture that you'll never forget and now I want to teach you says this verse 24 now then my sons again it's not like now then you strangers no and this is how God looks at you not mad but oh my daughter now then my sons listen to me pay attention to what I say do not let your heart again It always goes back to the core. It's your heart that God cares most about. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims that, that she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the highway to the grave leading to the chambers of death. It says many are the victims that she has brought down. Many are the people, and this would be so true of us in this room and elsewhere too, many are the people who think, oh, my secrets, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, really, I can reach out to an old fling that I had in high school on Facebook. What's the problem with that? What's the harm? I'm on a business trip with another gal. She's just a colleague. What's a couple of drinks? She needs my advice. Her husband is a jerk. She needs me. I'm helping her. It says that her house is a highway to the grave. Lots of people travel down it, in other words, leading to the chambers of death. Years ago, I I used to have this, what I called a wall of shame in my office. And I actually took it down after several months because it was too discouraging because it filled up too quickly. And I kept seeing this. I kept seeing effective leaders, or at least you could say they were people with a whole lot of influence, People like Tiger Woods at the time, Lance Armstrong, and a handful of other Christian leaders. And yet, they had all of this influence, very effective, very good at what they did. But they also had a secret sin and it derailed them, and they lost it all. And so as a reminder to myself, I would read their stories, I would cut out their picture, I'd put it on my wall. And I just wanted to, it to serve as a reminder, Jeff, you are not above this. Not one bit. It was their secret sin. It started small and then the ball got rolling and then, oh, boom, that big story. Notice how it said in the proverb, all at once, the hammer dropped, but it didn't start there. That kid had taken a walk down that street before. She saw him before that. On the flip side, this week with the passing of Billy Graham, I was reminded of something. I mean, wow, what a, we thank God, don't we, for his legacy, men like that? I read a book about him a few years ago, and I was struck, on the other side of the coin, I was struck at his vigilance, particularly when he traveled. He was the kind of guy, I mean, he traveled all over the world before travel was as nice as it is today, but he traveled all over the world. And you know what he did oftentimes? He was so vigilant about who he took with him, where he stayed. He decided what trips he would go on, oftentimes based on his morals. He knew, I, I'm not going to go into that situation. He was vigilant about that. Proverbs chapter 5 puts it this way. It says, now then, my sons, listen to me and do not turn aside from what I say. Keep, keep to a path far from her. Like, like when you know, when you, you have that little caution in your mind, let it be a big caution. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others in your dignity, to one who is cruel. I love this. You know why? Because you need and I need to see secret sin for what it is. It looks appealing and great and easier and all of that, but do you know what it is? It is cruel to you. It is cruel. It will take away your honor and it will take away your dignity. And then notice it brings it to life. Lest strangers feast on your wealth <clears throat> and your toil, enrich the house of another. And then it goes on and says this. At the end of your life, you will groan if you give in to it. When your flesh and your body are spent, and you will say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ears, uh, to, or, or turn my ears to my instructors. And then verse 14 And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Secret sin leads to serious trouble. Why? Because it's cruel. Because it's cruel. I heard it said this way, that when you become a Christian, in the eyes of Satan, your spiritual birthmark is his bullseye. That was said pretty well. You know, in our culture, if we were to ask this question... If we were to say, okay, well, what are some of the top secret sins? What are the highways to the grave, if we could say it like that? What are some of the most destructive secret sins in our day? What are the things that if we were to look out that second story lattice window and have our eyes fixed, what would we see just multitudes of people going to over and over again? What would it be? I think all of us, many of us for sure would say, well, pornography would be at the top of that list. But maybe you don't understand just how great of a threat it is. This industry, it is picking people off one by one. Its net worth right now is $97 billion. Think of it this way. Every year, Hollywood is releasing 600 movies, and they make about $10 billion in profit. The pornography industry makes more money than Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA combined. And it's not just a guy problem. One third of viewers are women. 17% say, who, who, who engage in pornography, say, I'm addicted to it. These sites have more visitors, get this, every month, than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. They ruin families, this industry. It's distorting the minds, scientifically even, of the next generation. Some are calling it the new drug. There's actually a movement called Fight the New Drug. And at the root of every secret sin, whether it's that sin or whether for you it's gluttony or it's cheating or it's flirting, at the root of every secret sin, I believe, is some sort of a lie. And what's so tricky is we can hear the lie and say, oh, well, I I won't think that, and that doesn't apply to me. But you know what lies can do to you over time? They can take you down paths that you never want to go. I mean, we have to ask the question when we read Proverbs chapter 7. We have to say this. We have to say, what was it that caused this person to act so foolish? And the answer to that question is this. He believed a lie. And so with the remainder of our time, I want to expose some common lies and lead us to a place I hope that's of great solution for you and I. Number one, the first lie is this. Lie number one, my secret sin, it only impacts me. My secret sin, it's not that big a deal because it's a secret. It's a secret from my spouse. It's a secret from my kids. It's a secret from my God. It's not true, is it? I mean, you think about this. A secret sin, you know what it does, and you've probably seen this in your life before you've confessed a secret sin. You know what happens? It kills your confidence. It kills it. It, You become a shadow of who God longs for you to be, It hurts you day in and day out. It's like carrying a heavy weight. It's like having you be the driver of a car. You know there's a flat tire, but you're going to just say, I'm just going to ignore it. Now, you can ignore a flat tire for a, a block or two, but you will never get to where you want to go with a flat tire. And if you and I believe that, hey, this secret sin only impacts me, and so, therefore, I don't come clean with it. You know what? You know what we're doing? We're saying, God, I'm never going to be able to go where you long for me to go because I've got this barrier in my life that I'm saying isn't impacting me. But it, it is. Lie number two is this. My secret sin is a secret. My secret sin, it. It's just a secret. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21, though, says this, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all of his paths. Now, as wishful thinking as this lie is, it's just not true. And you know what's really hard about this one is this. If I say my secret sin is just a secret, that causes me to never deal with it, which causes me to not get back on the rails, to stay derailed. I hope that you and I will think of it this way. Imagine that you have a child and your child is struggling. Like, for whatever reason, they're struggling and you're watching them struggle. They're going through a hard time. They're involved in something they shouldn't be, whatever it is. But you watch them as a parent, as a loving parent. You watch them go through something hard. What do you want to do as their parent? Do you want to move away from them or do you want to move closer to them? Do you want to distance yourself from them, or do you want to get right up in their life and help them? B, right? You want to do everything you can as a good parent to help that child. Please hear this. Your heavenly Father looks at you, and he says this. Your secret sin is not a secret, and so let's expose it. Let's talk about it, because I long to help you. God is not distant from you. God is not up in heaven, Dad is not the Spirit of God is not around you with this attitude of, I'm so mad at you, I don't even want anything to do with you, rather, the Spirit of God is saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, I would do anything to step in and help you. Your God is not distant, and so don't believe that lie, that your secret sin is just a secret. Number three, here it is, I deserve this. I deserve this. You read through the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 10, and we see David believe this lie. David in 2 Samuel chapter 10, he is doing really, really well. I mean, the other nations are beginning to bow down to him, and he has had great success. And if there was ever a time when David could have said, I feel entitled, I deserve this, This would have been the time for David. His approval ratings were incredibly high. His accomplishments were all over the place. And then you look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, his downfall. And it says this. It says, while the other kings were off at war, Daniel was back home. While David should have been doing what the other guy should have been doing, what he normally would have been doing, He was at home sitting idle, which, by the way, is a disaster waiting to happen, sitting idle. And so it says this in the text, that as he's at home, as he's sitting idle, he notices Bathsheba. And in his power, because he is the king, he says, go get Bathsheba, bring her to me. He commits adultery, and then he covers his tracks by murdering her husband. That's the guy after God's own heart. I'm not above secret sin, and neither are you, and you know what David did? He believed I deserve this. You might feel this way. You might say it like this, because of my circumstances, it's his fault I'm involved in this. If she would only, then I wouldn't be. If, if, So-and-so would not have done this to me, then I wouldn't be involved in this. You know what that is? That's saying that you deserve to be involved in the secret sin. But what we're missing in that is the lie that that's a good thing for us. It's a horrible thing for us. You might feel it this way. I've experienced some hard stuff in my life. I deserve to cut a corner here. I'll pay back later. I'll do them right later. But one thing leads to another, and one day that secret sin derails us. Lie number four. Line number four is I can fight this alone. I can do this alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it so well. He said sin demands to have a man or a woman by themselves. It withdraws them from community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him or her. I heard it put this way just this week. Not everyone needs to know your secret sin, but somebody does. Somebody does. I want to encourage you this morning, don't do life alone. If you do life alone, what you're doing is you're, you're basically tilling the soil for secret sin to come and plant its roots very deep. Don't do life alone. Uh, for me, was soon after I came to know Christ, I was encouraged to get in a small group. I got in a small group. It was so helpful to me as a young college student. I've stayed in small groups since that day all the way on, sometimes more than one at, one, at a time. Right now I have this group in my life. They're called my guardrails group. It's, it's a group that I, again, I was seeing Christian leaders go down, particularly pastors, all over the place. So I asked this small group of guys, I said, hey, could we meet periodically? I'm going to give you questions on every topic. You have free reign. You have full access. You can call Christina. Here's her number, the whole thing. You have full access to my life. You know why I do that? I'm not above secret sin. I'm a sinner. I'm tempted. I need accountability. Don't ever do life alone. And then the last lie that I want us to expose together. I think this one leads so well to the solution that we need to go to today because we all mess up. We are all prone. Line number five is this. I've gone too far. And this is the one that really burdens me. Because basically what this person is saying is this. I've gone off the rails. I've derailed. I have a secret sin. I'm currently off the tracks and... I'm just going to stay there. And while it takes a lot of work, doesn't it, to get a train lifted up, repaired, and back on the tracks, that's heavy lifting. That's hard. That's very real conversations. That's uncomfortable. That's some explosions. That's all sorts of hard things. But at the end of the day, the train is back on the tracks and it's going where God longs for your life and my life to go. And so this one really burdens me because if you're saying to yourself, I've gone too far, know this, you have not gone too far. I heard a pastor say that just this week he was by the hospital bed by this guy, 77 years old. The guy was literally in the last hours of his life and and he would pastored this guy for years and so he said to him, he knew he was a Christian man, he said, are you ready to go home? And the guy looked at him and he whispered to his pastor, he didn't want to say it out loud. He said, I've been in bondage to pornography for years and I've never confessed it. And this pastor, he said, it just broke him to hear this man who's walked with Jesus for a long time, not so much disdaining the sin, though that's an issue for sure, But the fact that he carried it for so long, the fact that he never got right, the fact that he said, I've gone too far, I'm too old, whatever the reason was that went through his mind, you haven't gone too far. Psalm chapter 32, I don't know if you noticed this in our reading, this was I believe yesterday in our 365 reading, notice what it says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as, as, the heart of, as in the heart of summer. Keywords. then I acknowledged my sin. I realized I've not gone too far in God's eyes. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And this is so important. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. If you come in here this morning and you have a whole lot of shame in an area of your life, don't stay in shame. Let shame lead to conviction and then let conviction lead to action because God longs to restore you. What do you do with a secret sin? You do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 it says this. It says, Godly sorrow... Brings repentance. Like, Lord, you're a holy God and I've sinned against you. I'm a sinner. That's godly sorrow. Brings repentance. Repentance says, I'm looking at sin. I'm dabbling in sin. Repentance says, I don't look at that anymore. I'm turning from it. I'm repenting from it. Now I look ahead. I look straight to the cross. That's what repentance is. What does that bring? It leads to salvation. It leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, that's simply this. You caught me. No, oh, she found my phone. She had no business on my phone. She caught me. Worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness and what eagerness to, to clear yourselves, what, what indignation, ign- what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done, what a desire to make things right. You know, shortly after I began walking with Christ uh, in college, I was really struggling with some sins of my past. I was struggling because I felt like God couldn't forgive me of them. And I had dealt with them and had the conversations and the whole thing. But I was struggling with accepting God's forgiveness, if you know what I mean. And the guy that led me to the Lord, he simply said this to me today. He said, Jeff, what you are really saying is this, that the cross is good enough to forgive some of your sins, but the cross isn't good enough to forgive others of your sins. He nailed me on it. Proverbs chapter 28, last verse I want to leave you with is this. It says this, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But you know what? The one who confesses and renounces them, you know what they find? They find mercy. Billy Graham said it so well. He said, you take sin seriously. And we want to do that as a church. But he also said this. He said, you also take redemption seriously. Take the hope that you can have in Christ. Expose secret sin and don't just live in shame. Take it straight to the cross. Realize it's not too late. Realize your secret is not a secret. And realize that by exposing it, you know what? God longs for you. Even though it's hard work to get back on the tracks, God longs for you and I to be on the tracks. God longs for a secret sin to not make you a shadow of who he made you. And so, church, let's be the kind of people that we are quickly able to say, Lord, we want to be quick to confess, even if it's hard, because we know that what you have for us is so good, and we don't want anything to derail us from that. So, yeah, we're going to sing together now, um, but why don't, we, why don't we actually pray while our band comes out? So, yeah, pray with me. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, and Um, Father, I just pray, even as we sing now, that you would just do a good work in us, Lord. Um, Lord, help us to cling to the promises of God, Lord. Lord, we're going to sing how faithful you are. And God, might that ring so true in our lives. And Lord, we pray today that you would give us the courage if that's what we need. We pray today, Lord, that we would take the right steps that we need, that you would guide us, that you would lead us. But right now, Lord... As we think about that, as we think about never wanting to be derailed, or if we are derailed, how do we get back on the tracks? God, give us the courage for that journey. But Lord, remind us more than anything else that the reason why we can bring this to you is because you are good, and because your truth is good, because you died for the very things that hang us up. We love you, and we sing to you now. We pray in Christ's name.